Welcome to Rock Candy. <laughs> Welcome. Yay. A weekly podcast bringing you all the tea and some shade from the world of music. Or a lot of shade. Yeah, I mean a lot of shade. It's probably I just a lot wanted of shade. to be nice about it. I didn't want to I didn't want to untuck in front of everyone before we even got through it. Ooh. Making references. <laughs> we are your two Glamazon hosts. I'm Maggie. And I'm Ashley. Hey, kitty girl. Hey, kitty girl. <laughs> and as you can tell by all the references, or maybe you can't tell, and that's fine too, you will learn. Today we're talking about RuPaul. Yay. You Fuck. better work. Cover girl. Work it, girl. Give it twelve. Do your thing. On the, the runway. runway. <laughs> we're not sorry. You're welcome. That's what we mean to say with that. That was good. That was real good. You better work. And we're gonna work tonight. Mm-hmm. And helping us to work tonight, our beer of choice, is Duclaw's Sweet Baby Jesus. Due to the fact that it's brewed with peanut, 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 peanut butter. <laughs> it is, though, and it's fucking delicious. It is. It's pretty delicious. And I I have yet to have a bad beer from Duclaw. Honestly, yeah. At this We've been point, using them a lot lately for some reason. Because they're delicious, and I never dislike anything that we get from Duclaw. Truth. So, yo, Duclaw, hit us up. Like, we'll drink all your beers. Give us some free beer. Maybe you could send us a free beer. Give us some free beer. Well, we will <laughs> fucking make everyone drink your beers. Come over. My fridge just Already. has Duclaw I in feel it. like we've done enough fucking promotion. <laughs> and all we're really asking for is a beer. Yeah. A single beer. That's all we want. Just one. Just a little baby beer. It's all fine. But some of you may be wondering, RuPaul, wait, he's a drag queen. And drag queens aren't musicians. And that's where I will tell you how very wrong you are. Wrong. That. <clears throat> that. Wrong. The, the incorrect noises that Ashley is making. <laughs> uh, if you've ever seen a drag show, then you know how important music is to the performance. Most of the time, they're lip syncing to a selected song and trying to convey their drag persona through it. And some people might go more pop electronic, some go a little punk rock, and some just do some real crazy out there performance art shit. And a lot of them base their looks on some musicians, too. Exactly. That's a super big thing. Yeah, their, their look, their persona, a lot of it does revolve around music. That's just the first level though, mm-hmm. of how important music is to drag. These bitches are onions. They got so many layers. Ooh. You like that? Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> Let's saute this shit. Because that is the only way I will eat an onion. Aw, onions, onions are, are gross. <laughs> They're gross. And I will say for the record, most of my research came from RuPaul's very own biography called Letting It All Hang Out. I will say it was published, I think, in 95, 96. Wow, that was a long time long ago. Long time ago. Damn, girl. But it has a lot from where he came from. So it's pretty good. I would highly suggest it. There's pictures, too. I like pictures. <laughs> yeah, I'm that person. Pictures who I, help when, when you're I, doing research. <laughs> I make the scrub-ass mistake of constantly picking up the book to read for my episode, like, the week before, instead of, like, two or three weeks before. We are not good at getting ahead of ourselves with the research. We are procrastinators. Mm. We have very active social lives. Very active. And we do not plan accordingly. No. Not at all. I think we're getting (laughs) a little better. I'm getting better at 
pulling my shit together at the very last minute. Which is That's something. what I'm good at. It's something. Which, honestly, that's what college prepared me for. Because by the end of college, I was pulling out fucking PowerPoint presentations with 25-page reports and a presentation oh, and man. all that shit. I would pull all nighters from at the my last art projects day. because I fucking hated doing them. Yes. You're right. 100%. Yeah. I, I specifically remember doing a, uh, my, f- like, final art theory project, like, fucking last minute with, like, slideshow and presentation <laughs> and a whole fucking, practically a thesis literally two days before it nice. was due. It was... Good for you. Queen of procrastination over here. Yeah, I'm not great. I just feel guilty the whole time that I'm not working harder. But so when I picked up this book and I saw there were pictures, I got really excited because that (laughs) makes it a shorter book. I would feel uh, more, I would feel bad more than I do if I wasn't um, not doing notes because I wasn't doing something fun. Right. But I'm usually doing something fun. Yeah. Yeah. I still feel guilty sometimes, though. Goddamn Catholic guilt. Yeah, I do. I feel guilty. Anyway, we digress. (laughs) So a true Renaissance queen, RuPaul wears many wigs, that of an actor, a model, an author, a TV personality, and so much more. But today we're going to focus a little bit more just on his life and the music of one of the most well-known names in pop culture. And some of you may not even be aware of the fact that Mama Ru is a musician in his own right. But I feel like after releasing 11 studio albums and two soundtracks and six compilation albums and 32 singles that, yeah, yeah, you are definitely a musician. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And arguably, the reason RuPaul broke out onto the scene was because of music. Oh, yeah. Supermodel blew him up. Oh, yeah. And that's that's why every, that's why he has been... You know, so popular for this fucking long. Yeah. That's why everybody knows who he is. Exactly. RuPaul would say over and over again how important of a role music has played in his life, and it's no surprise because with the roller coaster upbringing he had, clearly it needed to have a real clutch soundtrack to go along with it. And throughout this episode, so you know, I'm going to refer to RuPaul as he, just to keep it consistent. However, as far as that goes, he said, you can call me he, you can call me she, you can call me Regis and Kathy Lee. I don't care. Just as long as you call me. Stop it, bitch. Love him. <laughs> Love it. I, I was always under the impression that when he's not in drag, he would be preferred. He would prefer that you address him as he. Right. But when he is in, f- when she is in full drag, then she wants to be called she. Right. However, now you understand why I'm like, let's keep it consistent. I'm just going here. Yeah. Well, I mean, that makes sense. You're talking <laughs> yeah, about his past Yeah, when I talk about drag queens, it's normally when they're in drag, I'm she, it's, I go with she. And when they're out, I call them he. But yeah. uh, he doesn't give a shit. Right. And I'm highly doubtful he will ever hear this. So <laughs> dream if big, Maggie. Only. Maybe they'll hear it. Dream on. Dream away, Maggie. I can dream big if I want. Born in San Diego, California, on November 17th, 1960, as RuPaul Andre Charles. Yes, RuPaul is his actual name. Scorpio? 
Scorpio. Scorpio. Mm, makes a lot of sense. I see it. His mother, Ernestine, usually known as Tony, is a Louisiana native and said she named him after the French word rue, um, R-O-U-X, as in oh. the flour and fat base used to thicken up stews and gumbo. Oh, see, I had when I was a kid, I had a dog named LaRue. Oh, and I love LaRue. Doesn't that like just I mean the Rue? It means well. I, as far as I understand, it was French for the road. Oh, is that what Rue means? I think so. Oh. I'm pretty sure LaRue just means. The road. The rue. But I think it depends on how you spell it. But like, uh, there is also a rue, which is a sauce or a a thickening, a a base, a white sauce. It's all bougie. It's all Louisiana Creole madness. It's what I make when I'm making macaroni and cheese. Oh, yeah. (laughs) As far as the Paul, well, there's no real reason behind it. Just Paul. I love the fact that her, his drag name is his actual name yeah it's like a built-in drag name wow it's fantastic tony knew once her son was born that he would be a star because quote ain't another motherfucker alive with a name like that truth there you go why how could you change your name this was a message she continuously shared with rupaul helping to build his confidence and encourage him to go after the things he wanted in life so he grew up as the only boy with three sisters And his father left at a young age, so he was raised strictly by women. Interesting fact is that they all share the same initials, R-A-C. His older twin sisters are Renetta Ann and Renee Ann, and his younger sister is Rosalind Annette. I don't know what they... She liked Ann a lot, apparently. And the R's. And the R's. Well, his mother said it was because they were all, quote, Real ass crazies. Oh my god, I love her. Oh, his mother sounded like a delightful human being. Is she alive? No, oh. she's passed away. When I uh, die- Back she... in the 90s, actually. When I die, she is the first woman I'm gonna go find. Like, yo, let me meet Tony. <laughs> Where's Tony? I wanna meet her. She Tony! sounds amazing. <laughs> Why are we-, we got real Italian with that. I think. Is that Italian? I don't know. A Copernicus. Why don't you get to the back of the <laughs> you, line? You navigate yourself to the back of the line with your feet and your shirt. There you go. That's what they're going to tell you when you get up there. Rue was a very smart kid, but had no interest in the lessons at school. So once in high school, he just never went to a single class. And finally, they had to expel him. What was he doing? He just didn't go to school. He would just go hang out, smoke some weed, just chill, listen to music. All right. He just... Wasn't about school. By the time he got to high school and realized he could do what he wanted, basically, he was like, well, I'm just not gonna go. Hashtag living his best life. Fucking seriously. So that's when his family decided it would probably be best if he moved to Atlanta with his sister, Renetta, and her husband, Lawrence. And Lawrence would have a big effect in RuPaul's life, especially when it came to music. He had a huge record collection and worked at a college radio station. And one time he took Rue and his younger sister to L.A. to watch a taping of Soul Train. And later they ended up meeting Lil' Anthony in a studio on Hollywood Boulevard. You may know Lil' Anthony of Lil' Anthony and the Imperials. They sang uh, Tears on My Pillow. Oh. Mm, nice, nice classic oldie. Rue would always remember this day as his first taste of showbiz. When they settled in Atlanta, Rue ends up at Northside School of Performing Arts, which really helped his talents flourish. 
He started making his own clothes, feeding that need to be noticed. There's a lot to say for um, sending somebody to a specialized high school. Because if they're in high school and they're struggling, it's probably because they're very smart but are not challenged and are not interested in what they're learning. So if they have some kind of specialized interest, find a school that fits them. Exactly. Like, this is a classic case of, oh, you just needed to put him in a school where he gave a shit. Yeah, exactly. Because a lot of kids don't really give a shit. Right. So find something to give a shit about and they can care and they'll they'll try. So RuPaul had an adolescence that I'm pretty envious of. Confident with life experiences that most teenagers don't get. Especially at that time. Because this was what? Uh, 70s? Yeah. Late 70s? Yeah, like 70s. Well, for one example, there was the transvestite, using his word, not mine, that he got to know at the bus stop every morning on his way to school. They were coming home from working at a sex club, and this was when Rue was going into school. So Mm -hmm. he just would spend the time waiting for the bus, hanging out, chatting with this transvestite. That's kind of awesome. At like 16. You don't get to do that. And also around this time, he went to his first drag show and was floored by what he was seeing. A seamless lip sync to Donna Summer, and it genuinely fooled him for a little bit. At times, he was looking at her and wondering if that was truly Miss Summers up there on stage. Just Miss Summer. There's only one of them. There's not yeah. two. I realized Just that I did summer. that. Just one summer. One summer. His time at Northside was unfortunately short-lived due to the ridiculous amount of travel he had to do in order to get to and from school. And Renetta and Lawrence got fed up and told him he just had to go to the local school. This was also short-lived, as Rue would end up dropping out in 11th grade. Because fuck school. And that proves it right there. Like, you force them to go to a school that they're not interested in, they're not gonna fucking go. No, they're not going to give a shit. They're going to say, well, I just wanted to perform. This is all I was passionate about. Trig can eat a dick. I mean, I'm not going to school anymore. <laughs> Fuck your pre-calc. I didn't take any of that shit. I did. You can tell because I'm terrible at math. So clearly what we should have done was just drop out and go hang out with drag queens like RuPaul fucking did. I should have done that. What we should have done was that. Well, so after dropping out of high school... Rue goes to work for his brother-in-law, who had just gotten into the car business and opened up a dealership. Lawrence had an infinity for cars that would rub off onto Rue, of course. An infinity or an... Affinity. 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 The A, not the I. And maybe an infinity as well. Maybe. I mean, it's still going. Hasn't stopped yet. (laughs) Especially with classic cars. Loves those muscle cars. RuPaul to this day. I mean, driving around with RuPaul... He has that show where he drives around with people and interviews them, and it's always in a fancy pants muscle car. Wait, so does Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, Did but Jerry RuPaul steal did... it from RuPaul? You know he did. Jerry, you fucker. I'm looking at you, Jerry. I don't also, like... I think that's just like a, a celebrity thing. They just, that's just what they want to do now. Only, Jerry has coffee. Yeah, with coffee them. and driving around with That's people. like RuPaul's show is like under pressure and Jerry Seinfeld's show is <laughs> is vanilla ice and he's the the itty bitty ting is the coffee no 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 my show's different we get coffee in the car dun 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 dun, dun, dun ting 
It's that itty bitty ting. It's the itty bitty ting. Looking at you, Jerry Seinfeld. Because he's so going to hear this. You vanilla ice piece of shit. You just vanilla iced RuPaul. You vanilla iced RuPaul. God damn it. How dare you. While working for his brother, Ru ended up traveling across the country to buy cars so he could sell them. And, you know, again, this is an adolescence that nobody gets to experience. He's driving all around America. Like, that sounds like a pretty sweet job no matter what age you are. Seriously. If you're just, you have nothing tying you down and you say, you know what? I'm going to go just travel around. I'd be 80 fucking five in doing that job. Seriously. At this point, you're probably wondering how in the world is RuPaul going to make his break while working at a car dealership? Yeah, how is RuPaul going to make his break while working at a car dealership? I like you. You're all right. We're going to keep you around. The answer to that comes in the form of a public access variety show called The American Music Show. It wasn't necessarily a show to push awareness of queer life, as it was only the early 80s. So that wasn't even a thing. But majority of those involved were part of the LGBT plus community. Think Saturday Night Live meets Rocky Horror on a $5 budget with like a Wayne's World atmosphere. Because this is Atlanta Public Access variety show. Weird as fuck. I looked up some clips. The shit was weird. Delightfully so. Yeah. And totally like our thing. And RuPaul's thing. Is Ru- I can see how this works. Is RuPaul doing drag at this point? No. Or is he just RuPaul? Nope. Okay. RuPaul at this point is just a personality. He knows how to catch people's attention. He knows how to talk. Mm-hmm. He knows how to dress that's going to catch people's attention. Right. And he does have a little bit of a acting background thanks to at least the year he spent in school. Right. So that was good. So Rue watched the show religiously, loved it, and just knew that that was where he belonged. So he did the only thing he could do, write them a letter with a picture of himself, and he asked to be on the show. Meanwhile, they were so floored that someone actually wanted to be on their show that they were like, yeah, be on our show. sweet. Yeah. Aw. Yeah, please be on our show. So they, they welcomed him right aboard. And it was a truly definitive experience for Rue. It's where he began to explore so many facets of his onstage identity. He would choreograph dance routines, design and create costumes. He also helped with the music segments. Sometimes he sang with a band. Sometimes they would just do an instrumental t- track and he would rap over it. He was getting a lot of experience through this. This is like everything in the 90s like crashing together for me. Like all these... 90s worlds colliding like Wayne's World and the RuPaul's variety show that would come oh, that would come yeah. up later and also in Living Color oh, and shit I like that like color. all smashing together at once this is what uh, on public access this is what is happening in my brain right now it, it's it's pretty much what it is <laughs> and then there's like picture mid, early to mid 80s so the quality was even worse oh boy it was even worse it was just like the cheapest of home cameras but it's delightful yeah and i want to say on record totally off subject that i was always more of an in living color girl than a saturday night live kid oh i always watched in living color i didn't really I never care really about... i never really watched saturday night live at all yeah, my parents did my parents loved snl but i was like but homie the clown oh my god homie don't play that <laughs> I still say that. Are you kidding? Don't play that. And I still reference Fire Marshal Bill. Oh my god! Like 
Living Color was definitely made for kids like us. Yes. And, and our also, parents. Uh, when parents. Jim Carrey did uh, the um, the lifeguard, was it the lifeguard mm. or the little girl? Remember the, little the little girl. girl? Yes. <laughs> oh my god. And also, I don't remember their names, but um, David Allen Greer, Greer is that his name? Yeah. And uh, Damon Wayans. Yeah, well, I thought it was one of the Wayans. The two oh, gay guys, the, fucking, the three snaps oh, in a Z god, formation. What was that called? I don't remember. <gasps> But I actually just sent a gif of them to Mike in a text message oh today. Uh, three snaps in the Z formation. Oh, so yeah. good. We need to go look up old episodes of In Living Color. And then fucking Jennifer Lopez and the Fly Girls. The Fly Girls were everything. Oh, so good. Now I want to fucking watch all of In Living Color again. Yeah. Why? So Is that much- on Hulu? Oh, I don't know. Get on it, digital media. What are you doing? Through his time with the American Music Show, Rue met and got to know the band Now Explosion. During one of their performances, they decided to have a gimmick wedding in one of their shows. However, it was with a twist. The women had to dress like men and the men had to dress like women. And it was here that for the first time ever... RuPaul shaved his legs, slapped on a wig, and donned a fancy dress to become a man dressed in drag. Yes. And And this is when the heavens opened and the angels sang. (laughs) The impact was amazing. RuPaul knew this is it. Never before had he felt this level of glamorous. That he had a great pair of legs and he puts on a pair of stilettos and he says, oh, yes, I do have a great pair of legs. Oh, yes. It would take years of experimenting, but eventually Rue would figure out his place in the drag world and claim it as his own. Yes, girl. Honey. (laughs) Obligatory drag queen phrases. Thank you. Seriously, my only research into this last week of... A RuPaul episode was watching Katya and Trixie's show on YouTube. Which is fine. Mm. Uh, oh, God, I fucking love Katya and Trixie Katya, so fucking much. You know, I didn't like Trixie when she was on the show, Aww. but outside of the show, I fucking love her. Yeah, maybe there's something about the confines of the show that just, she doesn't get to really be her. And now you're like, oh no. No, that's true. That's absolutely true. Because she's fucking hilarious. And Katya is amazing. The two of them together. Two great tastes that taste fucking jizz in my mouth. I said it. Do it. Don't. Please don't. (laughs) Take it back. Rue began to perform with bands at clubs around town and totally owned this grunge, drag, gender-fucked look that he was just all about. He never wore tits originally. Mm Mm-hmm. And he would just wear these outfits where it's, like, never even, like, good wigs. He had, like, this crazy weird mohawk or he would just poof out his hair. I remember seeing And pictures. it's, like, a lot of mini skirts and just a lot of just this fantastic, like, God, fuck. If I was skinny, I would go so gender fuck. God damn it. Curse <laughs> this, these big tits and giant Curse hips. these tits. Seriously, I hate them. But... It's like, when you look at pictures, old pictures of RuPaul, it's just this grungy, dirty look, and I'm in love with it. I remember seeing a lot of uh, very torn up pants. Like, yes. how do you how do you get your feet in them? Because <laughs> there's so many holes. Well, it's like, it's, I imagine it's like putting on pantyhose where you have to put your hands at the bottom and then like roll them up along your leg. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's a trick. 
Cause with I have, those pants. Like, I have leggings that have, like, slashes and stuff in them. And every time I'm like, God damn it. Son. Gotta no. just, you gotta start from the bottom. <sighs> and now we're here. Yeah. My toes <laughs> just get stuck in every single fucking hole. <laughs> God damn these toes. God damn these toes. <laughs> The shows that Rue was performing in were very Vegas style, complete with costume changes, and Rue even had a valet run up on stage between numbers sometimes, bringing a mirror and fixing his makeup before running back off. A gimmick that he took from a band that we've previously mentioned in another episode. More stay in the motherfucking time! Ooh, they're coming around here soon. Oh my god. We and I go. didn't tell you about it. I forgot. I'll have to tell you about it when we're done. Well, you just did. Well, I mean, I don't know where it is. I can't we'll figure that out, though, because we need to see more. Because I kind of really want to see more stay in the fucking time. <sighs> oh, yeah. When we went to see Purple Rain, they showed the video. Yes. And uh, a big part of the video was somebody holding up a mirror. Yep. So he could. Because he could Morris Day is up. beautiful. Uh. And RuPaul knew, I am also beautiful. <laughs> All that performing must have paid off because in 1985, Funtone Records offered him a contract, and with that, he made his first EP, Sex Freak. There were only six tracks, and it ran a little over half an hour, but in retrospect, he does wish he didn't call it Sex Freak. Yeah, that's kind of a bad name. It's mainly because it wasn't meant to be interpreted as someone who was a freak for sex. He was supposed to have it represent him as a sexual oddity. So it's not like sex freak, like I want a bone all the time. It's sex freak, like gender sex freak. That could uh, be misconstrued. uh, Misconstrued. Easily was. Maybe gender freak. Yeah. I mean, now. But also that doesn't sound as good as sex freak. Also, it was like 85. So it's like, I don't know. While there was mild promotion, it didn't really go anywhere. Aside from the underground. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we've never heard of it. I didn't before I researched, anyway. In 87, he starred in the incredibly low-budget film trilogy, Star Booty. It was about a federal agent who fought crime and got entangled in complicated romantic scenarios, all while in drag. Oh, boy. Yeah, supermodel turned detective, basically. <laughs> and, of course, it, made, it was made on a zero-dollar budget, just released on home cassette tapes. But you can still actually get it on DVD. Oh, I kind of want to watch it. Yeah, I think it's 80s camp delightfulness. Oh, yeah. And of course, RuPaul does the soundtrack for it. Mm -hmm. So more more exposure, more chances for him to get his music out is recorded in three days over Memorial Day weekend. And he went to promote the music in Manhattan at the New Music Seminar while wearing nothing but football shoulder pads, a jockstrap, and thigh-high boots. Needless to say, garnered a bit of attention. The cops tried As to you kick do. him out, and the people actually were like, "No, nah, man, he's fun. Don't kick him out." And when when was this? Eighty seven. So I mean, New York City wasn't doing that great. Yeah, they're uh, a little sketchy. A little sketch. This this is this makes sense, you know? Cause it like was this Times Square? Oh, I don't know exactly where it was. But it, it was the city. And, but still, like, yeah. yeah, that's what you saw in New York City. Around the end of the 80s, RuPaul was getting sick of the same old ins and outs of Georgia. So decided a change would be in order. And with that, he moved, of course, to New York City. And like all who go to New York for fame can attest to, shit was not easy. Like, yeah. It no. Was, New York City was rough. New York City is still rough if you're trying to make it. 
if you didn't notice, there's a lot of people doing the same thing. Yeah, we're, everybody's just, we're all just trying to make it in this big old world, <laughs> kiddos. It was hard to book gigs without being in the right crowds, and Rue is known for not playing the ass-kissing game. And be a lot of like, oh, you suck this guy's dick, you get a show, and Rue's like, well, I'm not gonna do that, so I guess I'm not getting the show. He would go back to Atlanta for performance opportunities because whenever he got something in New York, it was pretty short-lived. Mm-hmm. So he was bouncing back and forth between the two places a lot. He had so sick of this obnoxious game that he tried to go to London when a friend gave him a one-way ticket. But because he had no return ticket and no address of where he'd be staying, customs got real personal with searching his belongings and his person. I think they managed to find just a single seed of marijuana or some resin. And with that, that was enough to just boot him right back to America. What? Yeah. That's weird. They sent him right back. Like, no, pip, pip, cheerio, get out of a country, bye. Wait, so he made it all the way to London and mm-hmm. then London Customs. Yeah, like, it was London Customs yo. kicked him out. Hmm. Yeah. So didn't really get to do anything there. Not really feeling welcome in New York City any more than he did in London. Rube just plane hopped. And eventually met up with his sister, and she brought him back to California, spent some time with his mom, and then eventually he decided to try his luck in L.A., managed to land himself on an episode of The Gong Show. Uh, right? Oh, I remember didn't, The Gong Show. Didn't even get gonged out. He performed a song from Star Booty for Salt and Peppa, That Night's Judges. <gasps> yeah. Ooh. Can you imagine that performance? Everything. Unfortunately, though, he did lose to an Elvis impersonator. What? That is so fucked up. Nowadays, yeah, but I imagine the 80s. Because then Elvis died in the late 70s, early 80s, and that's when Elvis mania was real fucking hot. I don't remember. I was like four. I don't know. I don't know what was going on. It's fine. (laughs) What's an Elvis? (laughs) But even that wasn't enough to get Rue the breakthrough he needed. After months of being kicked out of friends and family's apartments throughout LA, he was at the end of his rope and considered taking his own life. But he thought of his mother and how sad that would make her. And he thought about Oprah and all of the adversity that she made it through and decided that he just needed to go home and start from scratch. I think about Oprah a lot, too. See, I never think of Oprah. A lot of people give Oprah shit. I like her. I don't dislike her. Like, I mean, I don't understand why I don't give her shit. I don't I either. I have, like, no qualms with She's she's a personality. She's a TV yeah, person, and I kind she of seems look, lovely. She I'm sure seems she's like great. a lovely lady, right? And I look up to her because right. she went through a lot of fucking shit. Well, clearly, and so she does Rue. Made her own fortune. She made her own fame. Good for her. But and also while being a black woman in America, exactly. So think about it. So I guess if you want to take a page out of RuPaul's book, if things seem bleak. Just think think of Oprah. Think of Oprah. Hashtag think Oprah. Yeah. I like that one. Let's go with it. After some coaxing and bribing, Rue's friends convinced him to come back to New York City. From then on, he upped his game to the max. He knew he had the talent, he had the skill, and he just needed to show it. So he started buying wigs, wearing tits, making dresses, and became a true pageant queen. Mm. And did it pay off. He was getting consistent work, dancing and emceeing at clubs, and finally could afford an apartment with his other drag friends. Now he was performing pretty consistently and had gotten his lip sync routine down solid. He actually practiced it, made sure it was good to go, 
and at the time his most famous number was If I Could Turn Back Time by, obviously, Cher. Of course. And in his book he said, not a lot of queens were doing Cher at the time, which surprised me. So when was this? Late 80s, early 90s. Okay, I mean, yeah, I guess I can see it. So when did I Could Turn Back Time? I think it was 88 or 89. Okay, so I would say that became kind of a novelty thing a few, at least a few years after that. I would say mid to late 90s, that became the novelty thing. Mm. So and what you're saying is when Rue people... had amazing foresight. Yes. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm saying. But I mean, yeah, like making fun of Cher or like... Paying pers- homage. Paying homage to Cher or... Is it homage? I don't know. This We're not going to have the no. cacophony debate again. I still have never heard anyone else say that word but you. I say homage. I said homage. <laughs> Come for us! <laughs> anyway, but yeah, like nobody has been... no At this point, I don't think anybody really was doing that, but it was a thing later. And soon more doors started to open for him. He was asked to perform at more A-list events, started kind of, you know, meeting more people, started uh, being seen by the big leaguers, so to speak. And of course, if you get seen by A-listers, then they might ask you to do some work with them, which is how RuPaul landed himself a spot in the B-52's music video for Love Shack. Yes! Oh my god, That's I Sassy Drag Queen that. in the background, it's RuPaul. Oh, she's fantastic. God, so good. I love... Like, late 80s, 90s RuPaul. Yeah. She looked like a Barbie. You know, it's funny, actually, though. Like, I don't know. There was a bit during the RuPaul show, and she wore those blue contacts a lot, and I didn't like those. Those freaked me out for some reason. Yeah. It was, like, it was like almost too unattainable, like, too untouchable. Yeah. When she took them out, I was like, okay, okay, we're fine. I don't I know think... what it is about having the blue eyes and the blonde hair that freaked me out. Yeah. I think maybe... Um... I shouldn't say freaked me out. It just was different. It's it, She kind of it... looked like an alien yeah. when she did that. But, like, in her videos and stuff... She looked like a Barbie and it was fantastic. That's true. That's a good point. Oh my god, yeah, actually the supermodel video. You're right. You're right. Oh my god, I loved it. Success began to pour out smooth for Rue. He was named Queen of Manhattan and was asked to perform at Wigstock, which, duh, is the drag equivalent to Woodstock in New York City. (laughs) In case you didn't figure that out by the fact that it's called Wigstock. Fun fact, uh, Kate from the B-52s. Yes has a like trailer park motel oh yeah <laughs> in Woodstock, New York. And it's actually that one's a motel and every room is like 50s and 60s. Oh, see, now themed. I want to go stay there. And she has another one in California that is all like Airstream uh trailers and they're all like in a group and each trailer is different themed. Yeah. I Fantastic. love that her post, B, well, B-52 still perform, I shouldn't say post, but her other th- hobby apparently is opening up hotels and bed and breakfasts. Yeah. That's delightful. It's wonderful. Oh and God. it's close by us, so yeah. we can we can go there. Hey, we have things, guys. Upstate New York's great. <laughs> Come visit. Yeah. Because we love New York. I mean, I do, though. I do. I love New York. There's something about being from New York that gives you a weird sense of pride. And it's inexplicable, 
Despite, no matter what, and it doesn't matter what part of New York you're from. Well, it's Because you of, could be from the city, you could be from Buffalo, you have a weird pride for New York. It's kind of like, you know, y- you have siblings, yeah. I have a sister, but when you have a brother or sister, you can make all the fun of them that you want and it's totally fine. Right. But as soon as somebody else makes fun of them, you're like, shut your fucking mouth, that's oh, yeah. my sibling. It's kind of the same way with New York. It like, is, we though. can make fun of New York all we want because we, th- you know, we fucking can, live here. We live here and it's, we, it can be a piece of garbage sometimes. Oh, yeah. Um, Taxes a lot are of ridiculous. The time. Yeah. It can be a piece of shit. But as soon as anybody else says anything bad about New York, shut your fucking face. Shut your fucking face. <laughs> Looking at you, Massachusetts. Mass holes. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get me started on them Connecticuts. Ooh, I've never heard that one. I made that up. Do you I like it? I like it. it. Ooh, saucy. Getting back to the task at hand, RuPaul performing at Wigstock for a few years in a row kind of became a mainstay for a bit. And fun fact is that Wigstock's founded by his good friend and most hilarious drag queen, Lady Bunny. Oh, I fucking love Lady Bunny. (sighs) I fucking love Lady Bunny. So funny. So finally in 92, RuPaul began to work on his breakthrough album, Supermodel of the World. And in 93, it was released by Tommy Boy Records. And you may know them from launching the careers of such artists as Naughty by Nature, mm-hmm. Digital Underground, and Queen Latifah. Mm-hmm. RuPaul says in his book, basically, I couldn't believe Tommy Boy Records was contacting me because they're more of like a rap hip hop label. Why were they coming to me? All right. Like, but you know what all they're about all it. about? You and ITY. Oh. You and I T Y. That's the unity. I thought you were gonna. Oh my god, that's unity. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say that they were dead with OPP. Yeah, yeah you, you know, know me. me. Yeah, all those references. You're we welcome. Got, we got them. Hashtag references. <laughs> so the album itself included the quintessential single "Supermodel." Parentheses. You better work. Yes. It took everyone by surprise when it became a huge hit in the clubs. Single peaked at number 45 and the album itself at number 109. It was well received by critics with many saying that it was an asset to 90s house and R&B with a decent vocal range and a feel for the 1970s without being cheesy. Mm-hmm. Rue was actually kind of disappointed that it only made it to 109, but I I think that's still pretty good for I a think debut. For, for a debut uh, club hit... Yeah. I think that's pretty good. Because... But at the same time, even though it only went to 109 on the charts or whatever, um, the song is so pervasive that anybody who was growing up at that time, they know exactly what it is. fucking... You, everyone our age, you might not totally understand RuPaul or know RuPaul, but you knew you better work. Yeah. Supermodel. Because we know. were all like 8, 9, 10, 11 ish. Oh my God, and that we was, were. Yeah. <laughs> and you heard that on the radio. That's yeah. a very impressionable age. That's when you're first getting into music and mm-hmm. first starting to figure out what you like. You're going to listen to the radio. So, I mean, a lot of us our age, we know exactly what that song is. Exactly, yeah. Because that, that was when we listened to the radio. And they were totally playing that on the radio. I remember fucking, it was on Casey Kasem's Top Top 40 40. on like Sunday mornings. I'm a big fan of dance music. I like club music. I like electronica. 
Not so much what's coming out now. I'm not the biggest fan of EDM. You mean you don't like dubstep? I'm not going to lie. There have been a couple dubstep songs that I've kind of liked. There's been a few. You know, um, I'm going to say it. I kind of like Batarang. I don't know what Bangarang? that is. No, Bangarang. Skrillex. Banger- <laughs> Skrillex is a song called Bangarang. Yo. Yo. Yes, I know. Yo. Yeah, I know. I'm well aware. <laughs> Monica and I found out Skrillex is fucking... Yeah. It's Sonny Moore. Yeah. Who from formerly of From First to Last. That's it. Holy shit. I can't believe you didn't know that. We found that out when we were in a hotel in New Jersey. Was seeing Taking Back Sunday, like, three days in a row. And we're, huh. we're half drunk and we're like, what? We could not believe that's Skrillex. I just love that you didn't. Sunny I love that I knew that, and I didn't know like the emo band he came from. I was just I like, I knew he was an had emo singer. No idea. I thought he left from first to last, and that was the last we heard of Sunny Moore. Fucking nope. Speaking of first to last, <clears throat> that was the last we heard of him. The album included spoken vocals by Lawanda Page on a few of the tracks. You would recognize her as Aunt Esther on Sanford and Son, if you oh. watch Sanford and Son. I didn't watch Sanford and Son. I didn't really, but I caught a little bit here and there. Yeah. That's it. She was on it for no other reason than the fact that Rue just really wanted her on the album. So for the right price, she obliged. <laughs> the music video for Supermodel was nominated for the MTV Music Award for Best Dance Video, but lost to En Vogue's Free Your Mind, which, fair. <sighs> I mean, yeah. What a time to be alive. Right? RuPaul and En Vogue. That's like one of my favorite En Vogue songs, too. As it should be. However, he was also presenting an award to Aerosmith alongside Milton Berle. The big idea makers over at MTV thought it would be a great (laughs) idea to put an old guy who used to dress and drag to make fun of women... To go along great with an empowered drag queen. Yeah. Fantastic idea. It's 1990 idea, fucking five. Three, three, three or four. Three, I think. Yeah. Everyone's so woke in 94, right? Yeah. Because he treated Rue like an idiot. Yeah. And backstage while they were working on lines, he kept groping him. Like, Seriously? Touching like the fake boobs and grabbing for his crotch and stuff. Yeah. He's a gross piece of shit old man. They were supposed to do a corny dad joke on stage. And it went something along the lines of this. Milton would say, You know, I used to wear dresses 30 years ago. And Rue would ask, Oh, why'd you stop? And Milton would say, Because it was a drag. (laughs) (laughs) You have a severe face right now. That was not funny. No, it wasn't funny. That was not funny. It wasn't. It was was like a dad joke, but worse, because the guy was a fucking creep. Like... Nobody at MTV could think of something better. I want you to think about the question you just asked. No, they couldn't. No, they couldn't. They still can't. But when the time came, instead of asking why he stopped dressing in drag, Rue said something along the lines of, Oh, that's interesting. You used to wear dresses, and now you wear diapers. Some laughed, but overall the mood was a bit somber, and the next day the media began to refer to him as Rude Paul. Oh, he was the rude one. Because they didn't realize that an old man could be a piece of shit. I'm I'm doing the Liz Lemon. You're eye like roll. rolling your entire body. It's kind of impressive. Convulsions. A little bit. I'm still impressed. <laughs> a happier story 
did come out of that night, though. One that you will Me? very much appreciate. Oh, yes. Heading back from the press tent, he hears someone shout, Oh my god, it's RuPaul! And he turned to find Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love uh, carrying uh, Francis Bean. Oh, Kurt's the best. Kurt told Rue he just had to get his, a picture with him and that they tried to catch his show when he was in Seattle, but they had just missed it. So Rue takes a picture with the entire Nirvana gang, you know, Dave, Chris, Kurt, Courtney, Francis, all of them. And from then on, they were all supportive fans and friendly acquaintances of each I other. I want a framed copy of that picture. Is it in the book? It's in the book. Here you go. <gasps> it's everything you've ever wanted. Can we just cut Courtney out and just well, have you like can't a- see her face at least. Yeah, you can. Well, like entirely. No, just cut her out and just have like Francis like a floating a Floating baby. by herself. Well, apparently, RuPaul... Dave looks so happy. I know. Fucking Dave Grohl <laughs> is still my favorite Instead person in the world. Instead of Fresh Pots, he's like, RuPaul! <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs> oh, God, if we ever meet Dave Grohl... Which would never happen. If I if do, I w- he's one of can the... Can you, instead of yelling Fresh Pots, can you please yell, RuPaul! <laughs> can you just do that for us just once, please? I promise it's not a motherfucking RuPaul in this room. <laughs> not a fresh fucking RuPaul! That's it. RuPaul actually became on pretty friendly terms with them, though, because he ended up having lunch with Courtney once, and they were on SNL at the same time, Nirvana and RuPaul, so he actually ended up videotaping, um, singing We Wish You a Merry Christmas, I think, for his show, The RuPaul Show. Oh, that's kind of cute. It was really cute. And they're like, yay, we love RuPaul. It's really cute. You can find it on YouTube. It's fun. They were so woke. They were real woke. If anybody was, ro- if anybody was woke, it was Kurt Cobain. Yeah. Except for the heroin thing. That wasn't, yeah. that wasn't the best decision. That's, that's a bad choice. <sighs> you made a bad choice. Bad choice. Well, you, no one's perfect. Poby's nerfect. <laughs> From this point on, no matter what, RuPaul had become a household name. Everyone knew who he was and understood the amazing camera present that he presents. So it was only natural for a network to finally monopolize on it. In 1996, he landed a gig on VH1 called The RuPaul Show. It was a platform for him to interview celebrities, enact comedy skits, and have musical guests on to perform. All with his co-host and dear friend, Michelle Visage. Visage. I love her. I love Michelle Visage. <laughs> God, they're, they're two people to always aspire to be. She was in uh, 80s or 90s uh, girl group. Fuck, I just watched her video last night. I it can't. takes two to make a thing go right. <laughs> it takes two to make it out of sight. And I was like, that's Michelle Visage. Yeah. So that song, God, it's like, it's like, sensual i forget sensuality like the band had a funny name i can't fucking remember something along those lines but look that song up that's michelle fucking visage yeah she's fantastic she is though but they had met back in the new york city club scene way back in the day because they ran in similar circles but never really quite connected that was until they both had singles coming out around the same time in 93 and they met up with each other at a press event and from that point, they were ended up being paired up on a radio show. And there that was pretty much where they realized, like, we go well together and we really complement each other. So when Rue ended up with his gig on VH1, he asked 
Michelle, go, come and do this with me. And according to Michelle Visage, when she said, oh my God, thank you so much for this opportunity, we was like, don't get it twisted, honey. Like, you make me look good. That's why you're here. <laughs> and from there, I guess, their ride or die fucking friendship was born with those two, though. And it's it still worked. Sometimes when you're with somebody for so long, yeah, it kind of dies out. It has yet to die out with the two of them because they go through this. They go through uh, Drag Race. They mm-hmm. go through their podcast. They go through everything. They have everything and, and so it's still, much. It still works. It does. So in 96, Rue had signed with Rhino Records to release his next album, Foxy Lady. And despite the success of Supermodel, this album did not chart on the Billboard 200. And critics said it was a valiant effort in trying to expand the pop sound, but there wasn't an earworm on this album like there was with the last one. Mm -hmm. And so I was just checking out the album actually a little bit, and I was a little disappointed that it didn't become better because there is a total earworm on this. I think it's the first track or second track, the song Happy. He records it with Richard Humpty Vision. Now, if you don't know who Richard Humpty Vision is. Oh, my God. He is an amazing house DJ producer. I love house. I love house. (laughs) I fucking love house music. Like, I'm talking 80s, 90s, early 2000s, Fatboy Slim, Richard Humpty Vision, um, fucking Eric Pride's, like, oh god that's some amazing house music it's so good you can always dance to it i looked up the single happy i'm like this is a great song critics are stupid i mean the only thing i know about what you just said was fat boy slim (laughs) and i can't stand fat boy wait can you not stand like rockefeller skank and praise you yeah no fuck those okay okay here's the thing Maybe I'll do a Fatboy Slim episode because this is inspiring me. Those things that you know isn't what Fatboy Slim normally does. Okay. Like, that is his total... He understands, like, what's radio play and what's not. And those songs where he's like, I'm making this for radio play. But what he normally DJs is way different and way better. Because if it's, like, the same shit repeated over and 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 over again for, like, six minutes... I'm going to shoot somebody. <laughs> Have you heard house music? I, I No. I don't know. Have <laughs> I? Tell me. It's not six I don't minutes. Know. It'll be like two. It's fine. <laughs> two is too long. But it's got a great fucking beat. It's oh, got a beat and you good. can dance to it. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I digress. And the whole point of bringing up this album was actually that RuPaul said he felt pretty disappointed in the entertainment community because instead of reviewing his albums as they would come out, they were just asking him to do comedic fashion articles for them. Like, take jabs at people and blah, blah, blah. Because he's supposed to be a sassy queen. Exactly. He didn't want to play the role that straight people created for him that was supposed to be, quote, the gay guy. Mm -hmm. He didn't always need to be funny, but he did need to be taken seriously in the art that he was creating. So he would keep releasing these albums throughout the 90s and the aughts and asking people to review them. And they'd be like, yeah, but like, can you write an article about how this looked terrible on this person? And he's just like, no, I just want to make music, bitches. (laughs) Not, Not all about bringing people down. And that's the thing, too, about Rue. If you really pay attention, he doesn't really bring people down. He tries to push people up. You know, his catchphrases are like, everybody say love and love yourself and mm-hmm. 
treat yourself with respect. If you can't you love yourself, how you huh? gonna love anybody else? Exactly. You know, and this isn't no dig on Joan Rivers at all, but leave that stuff to Joan Rivers or Kathy Griffin. Like, they're, that's because kind they're of their thing. Because they're good at it. Yeah. They're good at it. They're good at clocking somebody, but at the same time not looking like a total asshole about it. Yeah. So, leave that shit to them. Well, I think, at least with Kathy Griffin, I'm not so sure about Joan Rivers. They had... An, a kind of an air of self-deprecation exactly. to go along with the fact that they were making fun of people. I think Rude took himself more seriously. Well, that's a funny and thing. Is I don't think Rude does. I think that was Rude's power is that he doesn't take himself seriously. Well, like, in the sense that he takes his craft more seriously. Yes, yes that's fair. It's, he has a sense of humor. He can make fun of himself. Mm. But... What he does is a little bit more serious and wanted to bring a little bit more seriousness to the whole drag thing. Exactly. Because if you have any sort of vulnerability or weakness, then everyone's going to point the finger at the drag community and be like, we get to make fun of you now. Exactly. And they're already the joke. Right. And they don't want to be the... Right. Rue didn't want to be the joke anymore. When you are the minority trying to um, get more respect, you can't show that kind of vulnerability because as soon as you do, and as soon as people latch onto it, they are going to rip you apart. Yeah, it's and ridiculous. they couldn't afford it at that time. No. So Rue just wanted to be taken seriously for the work that he was doing. He didn't really want to do gotcha pieces on people. Right. And reading a queen is way different than those fucking ridiculous who wore it better articles, you yeah. know? And honestly, um, he was a legit queen. Mm-hmm. the queen quote unquote queens that tore people down and made fun of people were usually just straight men yeah making f- playing a character and making fun of yeah drag people honestly like uh the two dudes that we can't remember the name of the show that was on um, living color in living color that's gonna drive us crazy yeah i mean they're the ones that tore people down it's true yeah and that's how they made fun of it so they needed to stray themselves as much as they could from that image yeah if you had a legit queen doing the same thing what's the difference exactly so i get yeah you get it i got you as the odds were coming to a close though we're getting around to like 20 2008 rue started to feel the need to get back into showbiz he had the rupaul show for a while with michelle visage but Mm -hmm. You know, that really only went on for two seasons and 100 episodes. That was done before the late 90s. Which is sad, because it was good. Yeah. That was fun. So, you know, spend some years on some music, not really get anywhere with it. So, looking towards going back on TV some way. But, a lot of people were just saying, reality TV, do reality TV. And Rue wasn't a big fan, because he thought it was so mean-spirited most of the time. Oh, yeah. They... And- it was ridiculous editing to create drama. I mean, it still is. It but still is. Yeah, I mean, it's still the same. But he didn't want to be a part of that at all. However, around 2008, 2007, 2008, Rude did feel a change coming in the air. Obama was about to be elected president, and it began to seem possible that maybe they could have a show about drag in a positive way that wouldn't be pandered as some kind of joke. 
Mm -hmm. And you kind of started to see more um, LGBT characters on television that maybe were being funny, but were also supposed to be taken a little bit seriously. You had the L word, you had queer... uh, Queer as folk. Yes. Um, you had Will and Grace. Actually, wasn't Queer Eye for the Straight Guy out at that point? And there was the the original Queer Eye for the Straight Guy yeah. on Bravo. So you had more of that community being represented. Yeah. So and at this kind point, of taken seriously. Yeah. So at this point, you have to imagine Rue sees this and says, maybe this is where drag can finally squeeze itself yeah, in there. Like if... Gays and lesbians could be represented on TV, then maybe drag queens could be it also. Right. So with his friends at the production company World of Wonder, who were formerly the band known as the Pop Tarts, who were a band that Rue actually knew back in his Atlanta days. That and would is perform the with cutest them. name right? for a band ever. Right? The Pop Tarts, they were adorable. I expect them to be little cute little chibi characters. They pitched the idea to many studios. They were like, let's do this. Let's do a drag race. Let's do the show. Mm-hmm. Let's come up with challenges. Let's have this elimination, elimination. reality. If you haven't seen RuPaul's Drag Race and you don't know what it's about, it's basically America's Next Top Model, but it's drag queens. Right. Making Which makes it infinitely, it infinitely better. better. <laughs> Not gonna lie, though, I did watch America's Next Top Model probably up through season nine. Oh yeah, I did too. God, it, it was, was fantastic show. up until that point, oh, God, and so then bad. once you get rid of Miss J, I was done. And Nigel oh, Barker, yeah. oh, oh yeah, once you get rid of them, I was done. Anyway, and but Janice Dickinson was on it for a while. Oh, she was right? real mean, but I but loved she was her. Better, she but was she was bonkers. Than, she was better than. She got some other chick later on, the Kelly something, and she, Kelly Twig, Catone. Twiggy was on there for a while, mm-hmm. and then, uh, pff, what's her name? Uh, wow, Drag Race really is fo- following in those footsteps, because, like, you have Michelle Visage, who didn't start off at the beginning, because she didn't, she was trying other things, so uh-huh. she wasn't ready to do, be a judge on the show consistently. Right. And then, I think season three was where she became a consistent judge, but you also had that, that fucking guy from... Project Runway. What's his douche face? What? Stop. The guy from Project... Oh my god, what is his name? It's not Andre. It's like... Oh, and he's bald. And he did the really good Tim Gunn impression. Oh my god, I don't know. What? I know you're making fun of me, but... No, I... I... Santino? Santino! That's... Fuck. Oh, yeah, he's bald on yes. RuPaul, but on Project One Way, he had a ponytail. One way, Project One Way, he had a ponytail. Just like Muppet Babies for Project <laughs> Runway. Oh my god, fan fiction, I'm writing it. So they come up with this concept, trying to shop it around to different, ne- different networks, and a lot were saying, yo, we like the idea, but we can't touch drag. We can't do a drag show. Ooh, that's a little, that's a little much, don't you think? Fortunately, a little company known as Logo took them on, and thus RuPaul's Drag Race was born. Yay, Logo. Good job, Logo. Since then, the show has gone on for 11 standard seasons, three all-star seasons, and three drag university seasons. It has skyrocketed in popularity and has since moved back to VH1, where RuPaul originally started. Mm. 
And it has also been nominated and won various many awards from he, Emmys to he, MTV Awards to LGBT Awards. He's won a Best Reality TV Host at least once. Yeah. If not, maybe two or three times. As he should. He should. Because it's... Actually, pretty... I think this last Emmys he finally won for the first time. And he, he definitely deserved it because <laughs> Jeff Prost... Probst... Props. Jeff Props sucks. He's all right, but he's done. Like, we've seen it. We're over it. You've been nominated too many times. Miss RuPaul, come through. Thank you. After getting Drag Race up and running, Ru was a judge on the reality show Skin Wars as well. Mm. As we've seen, that's the only reason I watched Skin Wars. I told you to watch it, and you're like, this is a hot mess of a train wreck. And I love it. Oh, God. It's such a bad... It's so bad. It only lasted for three seasons. It's so terrible. It's so... Oh, the people are weird. Yeah. And the challenges are weird. Like, it's cool. Here's the thing. I do like... And this is why I've watched things like Drag... Well, I just like drag. But Drag Race, America's Next Top Model. I kind of like Skin Wars, even. I like Ink Master. I like artsy shows. I'm not trying to be a hack. I genuinely enjoy watching people be artistic i like seeing the final product yes that's why i watch skin wars i didn't watch it because ooh, i like the drama i hate the because drama. you're body painting what fucking drama you're, is there you're like, wasting my fucking time with your drama i just want right. to watch the art i just want to watch you paint some person right and see what you come up with like, oh that's like, cool Granted, with Drag Race, it's fun to watch the drama because it's fun watching drag queens well, like, they're hilarious. bitch about each other and try to dance in high heels and because they can't do it. And that's, I can't even do it. Well, they actually can. That's Therein lies the real joke is that we can't do it, but they totally yeah. can. But the thing is, too, part of being a drag queen is being funny. Right. Is having this sense of humor. They read each other all the time. That's part of drag. So when they go into confessions and talk shit, it's fucking hilarious. Right. There are so many amazing gifts just from yeah. drag race. And that's why everybody loves the episode when the library is open. Because mm. when they read each other, it Ugh. is fucking fantastic. Ugh. It's so, so good. good. And if they fucking suck at it, then it's still good because they suck so hard. Yes. And it's fun <laughs> to watch everybody just stare at them like, oh, you were bad at this. Like, this is terrible. This is real awkward. So, yeah. I don't know where we were going with that. Oh, reality shows. <laughs> yeah. Look, I don't love reality shows, but I like the artsy ones. And in addition to being hosts on reality shows, RuPaul also hosts What's the Tea with Michelle Visage. A fantastically delightful podcast that I highly suggest you listen to. It's very good. It's so good. God, I love them. I love listening to them talk. Rue's music also gets a lot more notoriety now since he can play his songs on the show. So now, like, he's getting number one albums in the dance scene and even in regular Billboard charts as well. Um, Spotify plays his stuff. You know, it's really popular up there. It's I think, for me, it's harder to gauge because... You don't have albums anymore. You just have the streaming devices. Right. But uh, he's doing really well with his music now. And something else that I think is interesting about the way RuPaul does music is he knows how to stay current with what's popular. Mm-hmm. His 90s stuff is very 90s. His art stuff isn't great because you want to know what? 
Music in the Arts wasn't great. Yeah, it really wasn't. Why don't you think Black Eyed Peas? Stop. Yeah. And then throughout like the earlier um, teens, I guess, decade, whatever this decade we're in in, and now is. Shithole. Shithole decade. It's been fine. It's fine. He, you know, puts out a lot of music that kind of coincides with like a Lady Gaga sound, Mm -hmm. Katy Perry sound, really fun pop. And sometimes now, like with the newer stuff, almost dabbling in trap music and more heavier beats, kind of just going along more with what's popular. It's really interesting to listen to his music because he'll, he knows how to adapt. Mm-hmm. He's very smart. Well, he's also keeps current with um, trends and stuff like that because yeah. he understands the value in it. Yeah. He doesn't fuck around. It's great. And actually, in addition to just RuPaul's music, it's helped start the cruise for many other drag queens in music. Oh, yes. Many former contestants get themselves record deals, put out albums, make videos. I mean, Willem, oh my God, <laughs> love it. Um, Adore has done really well. Yes. Um, Jinx has done um, pretty well. Yeah. Um, I think Violet Chachki's done some good stuff. Fucking, ugh, whatever. Well, I don't like Violet Chachki, but either. I know that she's done well. Honestly, I stopped. Alaska is done. I fucking love Alaska. Amazing. And also, Sharon Needles has done pretty good. Yeah. Um, they all have made some pretty amazing work in Katya their own Katya right. has done great because she's definitely a fan favorite. Oh, my God. Katya's fucking fantastic. Latrice? Ah, Latrice. Latrice and Manila have a song and I love it. I love it Manila so was great too. Manila. Like, and actually, Raja was a makeup artist on America's Next Top Model before she was on, on RuPaul's Drag did Race. Did not know that. Yeah, and now she has a pretty lucrative career as a yeah. drag I mean, artist. Yeah, whether it be an artist or a lot of them in music, they... Jesus Christ, they're all becoming these um, sensations in their own right now. Mm-hmm. You you really have to acknowledge that. And then I love the music they make. I love club music, though, so I don't know if my opinion is that valid. But <laughs> I really like the music that they put out. It's fun. It's a good time. Willem, I love it because it's a lot of just satire on current songs. Yeah. they've And a lot of them are also making movies now because... Yep. Um, Shangela is yeah, in a bunch Shangela's of movies. Yeah, in a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, Shangela, we know. Um, and, uh... <laughs> Hashtag, yeah, Shangela, we know. We get it. We get it. Um, You're Shangela. Bianca Del Rio. Oh, my God. She I was in Hurricane that. Bianca, yes. which is a terrible movie, but also highly entertaining. That's... It is yeah. on Netflix. You should watch it. And oh, Willem so... and Shangela are both in it. Out of drag. Oh, which my is God. Fun to watch. <laughs> I love it. Though, frankly, drag queens have actually been making music for decades. Divine herself had an album out in the early 80s. Your Divine. girl. Your girl Divine. My and girl. Drag has made a strong presence in the world of musical theater in shows like Hedwig and the Angry Inch and Kinky Boots. True. And drag singers have even been seen in the Eurovision competition with Conchita Wurst, a bearded Fucking drag queen. Fucking love her. I love her. Bearded drag queen representing Austria in 2014. She's fucking gorgeous and bitch got a full beard. And bitch has a beautiful voice. Yes. Oh my God. She can. I watched her. I watched the Eurovision from 2014 with Austria's performance. Mm -hmm. I was like, cause you know what? Little Maggie fact. I love Eurovision. (laughs) 
It is so fun to watch. Shout out to all my European friends. But they <laughs> probably all think I'm a cheesy motherfucker. So? But I'm like, I tried to explain this once to like a bunch of like shitty little French kids. Like, we don't have shit like that in America. We all just fucking hate each right. other. And you guys have one time a year where it's like, it's like a sports event with music so I can get into it. And it's like, you're all fighting to yeah, we win have, this music competition. We have beauty pageants. Like, gag me. Those fucking suck. Yeah. I want Eurovision. I want Eurovision. And oh any... Oh my God, could you imagine America Vision? No. No. Stop. Oh. Any American that knows about Eurovision is obsessed with it. There is a blog that I frequent called Go Fug Yourself. Yeah. And every year they review Eurovision. Yes. Every single country. It is amazing. Ugh. Also, Go Fug Yourself is a fantastic blog. You should go just... Do yourself a favor. Do yourself a favor. Go read it. It's funny. That one and um, Tom and Lorenzo. I read constantly. Tom and Lorenzo is fantastic. You've never... I've never... Oh, no. go on it. Anyway... Continue. <laughs> Point is, watch Eurovision. Go look up yes. Eurovision clips. Like, how can you not love Eurovision? It's bananas. And I and just love fucking, every minute of it. And the music's really good. And I just, love other countries' music. Just Google Con Conchita What's-Her-Face. Conchita Worst. Yeah. Also, you can look up Epic Sax Guy. That's from Eurovision. Because <laughs> if it wasn't for Eurovision, we wouldn't have Epic Sax Guy. Yeah. So, look at it that way, guys. <laughs> RuPaul is credited as the most successful drag queen in the country, though I might argue most successful in all history. Hmm. Has he said some things that are problematic towards the trans community? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think this comes from a place of negativity. I really think it just comes from a place of still learning. Ru is older. And I don't think he's trying to be hateful or shitty. I think... You know, things are changing rapidly and sometimes it's hard to stay caught up. Sometimes it's hard to stay woke. And even the best of us might need a minute to figure it out. If you look at Rue, he does come around every time. It's not like he sits around and he's like, man, 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 I hate trans people. He's never said that. It was really just a matter of he didn't think that full trans should be able to compete. Yeah. He compared it, it to athletes taking steroids. He compared um, a post-op trans woman competing on Drag Race to a a person on steroids competing in the Olympics. You know what I mean? I guess I can understand that, but at the same time... It just it's... wasn't... Yeah. It, it was not the right thing or way to say that. Right. Or the right time, or it wasn't the right anything no. to say. He should have just kept his mouth shut. Right. He for the time He should have left it alone. And, yep. but you know, like, he's not a hateful, shitty person. Like, he listens to people and he could, he does come around. And, you know, that speaks to me the importance of always keeping civil debates and open dialogues. You know, you're not going to change somebody's mind. A lot of, a lot, I'm going to be old Lady Maggie for a hot second. A lot of kids, like, still kind of really dig in to him with that. And it's like, instead of digging in, like, just keep the dialogue open. Like, let's have a conversation. Yeah. Because you're not going to win somebody over when you immediately just run them down. Yeah. I mean, if you just bulldoze, you can't an, bulldoze old, someone. an old school uh, queen like that. Yeah. They're immediately going to dismiss you. I'm not saying that's right. Yeah. And, but that's how people are. Right. And... 
I, I know you want everyone to understand your point of view and come around like right now. Right. But it's not going to happen with somebody who's, she's in her 40s, 50s now? He's in his 50s, I believe. So he's in his 50s. He's not going to come around that quickly. It's not going to happen. It's like trying to talk to your parents about fucking gay rights and gun control. It's not going to happen. Wow, yeah. RuPaul's like 58. Yes. Because 1960. So five years younger than my parents. So about 57, 58. Damn, you look good. (laughs) Right? Damn. What face cream you using? Because I Sorry, I know that was a huge change subject, but I wanted to make sure I had the age right. But yeah, you just... We all just need to... And I'm guilty. I'm guilty of it too. I will... Sometimes I come out of the gate running and then like five minutes later I realize... All right. No. Let's bring it back. Let's just talk. We don't have to fucking yell and scream at each other. We can try talking. Right. Because at the same time, I think it would be really unfair to dismiss everything that he's done for the LGBT plus community. He's given so much positive exposure. Mm -hmm. You know, he's the one who didn't want to just fucking roll over and fold and be like, I guess I'll be the butt of a joke. It was like, no, I don't want to be the butt of a joke. Right. And also, I'm not going to suck somebody's dick just, just to, to get, a, get just get a gig. Right. Seeing drag queens on TV, not as the butt of a joke, would have been unheard of in 2002. And on top of sexuality, we see people of different races and ethnic backgrounds competing in drag race. So he does a lot. And, and maybe he makes a mistake, but like people are allowed to make mistakes. We can't write someone off for that. To his credit. He's come around. Right. How many other drag queens did you see in 1993 having their own variety show on on cable television? You didn't see any. And now we have our pick of the litter. And I'm not talking about some straight dude dressed up in shitty women's clothes making fun of being a man dressed up as a woman. Exactly. I'm talking about a legit drag queen being serious about what she's wearing and how she looks and what she's doing. Rue definitely identifies with, and so do all these other drag queens. They identify with this persona and this personality. Right. They don't think it's funny or a joke to be a woman. They feel empowered by being a woman. Right. And it's not just being empowered by being a woman. It's being empowered by doing your craft, doing it well. Yeah. And presenting it to people and performing and doing what you love. They're proud of themselves and they're proud of what they do. So for once, it's nice to have somebody who's not fucking making a joke out of that shit. And who's actively helping other queens do the same exact thing. Right. When Rude had to transfer out of his performing arts school as a teenager, he was understandably upset, of course. At this, his teacher told him not to take life so seriously. And this has stuck with him to this very day. So I think in a lot of ways, what he says and what he does stems from that worldview. And it's arguably not a bad one to have. Like, don't take yourself so seriously. Yes, bad shit happens. You got to live in that sometimes and that's fine. But at the end of the day, so what? The world keeps turning and life figures it out. And that's kind of how Rue has decided to pursue his life. And arguably, if you don't take yourself so seriously, you're more open to other points of view. Right. And you're more open to accepting facts and accepting other people's 
viewpoints. Right. So, I mean, and that's, I think that's one of the most important things that drag has done for the world is it makes people stop and think, well, wait a minute. What is this really doing to me? How is this really bothering me? And I think most people are now coming to realize, oh, it doesn't. I take the tact of Carl Winslow from Family Matters. What? When he started going to a therapist to deal with Steve Urkel. And he had this mantra that he would say. And anytime he got upset with Steve Urkel, he would go, three, two, one, one, two, three. What the heck is is bothering bothering me? me? I remember that. (laughs) Oh, my God. That frequently runs through my head. Oh, my God. TGIF, bitches. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. I think that's a... That's a real good place to end it on. <laughs> Carl Winslow. Carl Winslow. My hashtag, spirit animal. Hashtag Carl Winslow mantras. How to deal with the Steve Urkels in How your life. How to deal with the Steve Urkels in your life. Oh God, if only <laughs> the people we dealt with were Steve Urkels, it'd be fine. No, be fine. if only they were Steph- Stefan Urkels. Mm, yeah. Then it would be okay. I'd hit it. <laughs> but yeah, kids, just drag's important, whether you know it or not, to music and to pop culture and just... Fucking embrace it. It's and wonderful. And RuPaul was very important to drag and therefore important to all of our lives. Yes. And Whether the, you know it or not, RuPaul is an important influence in your life. And the the furtherance, it's not a word, but I'm using it, it sounds of like uh, LGBTQ plus rights. Just a welcoming feeling to people who may not have thought they could have done it before. helping to open people's eyes yes. to different ways of life. There you go. It's all legit. Good job, it's all good. Proud of you. Yeah, that was, that was a good one. That made me feel positive. That made me feel happy. The music <laughs> makes me feel so fucking fabulous. That was the most like positive storyline we had in a really long time. I feel good. Like I feel refreshed. I feel like every time I do a story, it's like suicide, murder, crop tops. I've t- <laughs> hey, I've done murder story. No, I didn't do murder. I do- no, I've done death stories. I had a cancer story. You had a cancer story? With Dave Bowie. Oh, yeah, that was really sad. Yeah, so I've had sad too. But then I've done like eight since then. You just like sad things, I guess. It's fine. I, it's just that all the people I really admire just die really early. You just need to follow Rue more because I feel so good about my life after learning more about RuPaul. So yeah. good. So good about it. That's the thing. She makes you feel fucking great. I hope hope everybody listening feels good about their lives right now. You know what? Like, Rue's got some great mantras. You gotta gotta just feel good about yourself. Don't take life so seriously. And you better work. Exactly. So, you know, thanks for listening. Per usual. And kids. Our faithful listeners. Sashay away. Shantae, you stay. (laughs) But sashay away. (laughs) What? It's not time yet. And that's my goodbye. Follow us on all the things. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Follow us on all the things. You know, Twitter, Rock Candy Pod. Facebook and Instagram, Rock Candy Podcast. Our website is www.rockcandypodcast.com. Very easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Oh, and we got an email last week. So fuck you, Ashley. We Wait, got an we email. Did. Yeah. 
Huh. It was from Laura from Funeral Stories Podcast, which is an awesome podcast that I highly suggest listening to. They're lovely ladies. They have wonderfully insightful stories. But she wanted to share her Barbie story about, because we talked about Barbies last time. And uh, she wasn't too into them, so the one time her grandfather gave her one, she turned it into bungee jumping Barbie and would, like, use yes. like, a bungee jump and jump it out the window. Oh, yes! Yeah. Me too! But I sent them in cars yeah, sailing you, out you the guys, window. You guys are weird. Like, I never dropped my things out There's of windows. There's just something about windows and throwing dolls? your Barbies out the window. Okay. It's just so satisfying when you're right. seven. I, I'll, I'll let you have it. Hey. But yeah, so if you so send us an email. I read them. <laughs> proof. Proof in the pudding. I read the emails. <laughs> also, if you like us, maybe rate and review us. That'd be cool. If you feel like it, do it. You know, That'd be that's really fine nice. Too. Do whatever, you know what? Do whatever you feel like, man. You live your best life. But review us. But you could rate and review us. That'd be fine, too. So hopefully we'll, we'll see you kids next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Which I guess would mean whenever you listen to our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. Sounds right. Yeah. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take a little break in the norm sign off. And instead I'm going to go with, if you can't love yourself, how, how the you go- hell are you, you going to love, love somebody, somebody else? else? What was that? I don't know. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Amen. Party on kids. Party on Maggie. Party on Ashley. <laughs> you better work. Deuces!